this morning, uh, normally I do this every year, but I take the last two Sundays, the last Sunday of the year and the first Sunday, and, and, and I don't preach. And uh, a week ago or so, I asked my daughter, Vanessa, if she would prepare to preach today, and, and uh, she has, and she is, and, and I, I'm excited about it. Every, every year, especially right after Christmas, Karen and I try to take as much time that week with our family as we can and just spend time with them, whether it be in the woods or somewhere else. We just try to take that time off, and that's my time to really just not carry the duties of that for, for three or four days. And so this morning, um, Pastor Vanessa is going to come up here and preach a little bit. And uh, I'm always excited. You know, th this house is full of many gifts, people that have the ability to preach and teach. I mean, this house, this house has always carried that anointing. It's always raised up preachers, and, and this house is full of it. I mean, we, we've got teams that are just full of gifted people. And, you know, one of the, uh, one of the characteristics of this house is that we have to make room for gifts to be released. We have to make room, and, and, and that mostly falls on me because... I don't, I don't ever ask for the mic, but I've got an assignment. I've got an assignment. And, and, and out of the 52 Sundays of the year, I preach about 45 of them. I preach about 45 of them. And, and so it, it's not that I'm trying to give the mic up. I, that, that ain't my, anybody that knows me personally know that that ain't what I do. I, I get up in here, and I'm doing business for the Lord. And, I, and I'm going to work it hard. But, but there's, there's gifts in here. And, and I believe we need to receive from those gifts. I shared with Pastor Tina, preached last Sunday, and there, there was such a word released over our life about the reminder of what God is saying to this house. And that in the middle of that promise, there's always contradictions. And if you, could, if you would receive that word, you learn how to fight through it. You learn how to overcome it. And so today I'm excited, not only because she's a gift to this house, she's a pastor to this house, part of our pastoral team, but she's my daughter, and I'm excited about that, you know, watch, to watch my children do what we do, so I want you to just today to receive with open hearts, I know you will, this, this congregation has a grace on it to receive ministry gifts, that's why this house is so strong, we've been strong for 30 years, we've been strong for 30 years because we've always had gifted people that would grab this microphone and they would preach the word of the Lord. And that, that, that's good because we hear it from different angles and we hear it from different anointings and we hear it from a different levels of revelation that brings impartation to us so that we all grow together as a corporate body. Amen? So why don't you put your hands together? Why don't you get on your feet and receive this gift today as she comes to minister the word of the Lord? Well, you can be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's a good crowd this morning. Happy New Year. Turn to your neighbor and say you look better than you did last year. Looking good this year. It's a new year. Well, I'm always so honored to be able to, to share the word with you and to stand up here. And I honor my parents who are not only my parents, but they're my pastors. So I just thank them for allowing me the opportunity this morning. But I'm going to jump right in. I feel like the Lord has given me a word, and I feel like, I told my husband, I feel like my personality as a challenger always comes through in the words that the Lord gives me, because I feel like it's going to be a challenging message this morning, um, but just know that I've been challenged first, <laughs> and God is working on me through it, and so I just want to issue us a challenge for this year. I'm not really into New Year's resolutions. You know, I always want to lose weight, run. <laughs> probably not going to happen. I didn't get running shoes for Christmas or nothing. So, I mean, I wouldn't really count on seeing me around town running, but we're working there. But, <laughs> but so I don't really do New Year's resolutions, but, but I do believe in a New Year's challenge. And so I want to issue a challenge to you this, this year as we begin our New Year's. So I'm going to get to our text in a minute, but you know, all throughout the Bible, there's, there's stories of of people who rose up to a challenge and they issued the challenger of their day. 
right? And we, we love to hear stories like that. We love David and Goliath. He loved the story of a young David who took on a lion, and then he took on a bear, and then he eventually took on the Goliath of his day. We love to, to read stories about Benaniah, and we're going to get to him later on, but Benaniah, the Bible says in 2 Samuel that Benaniah was a man of mighty exploits. He was a man of mighty exploits. He went down to a pit on a snowy day, and he killed a lion. <laughs> Okay, and so we love stories of, of Esther in the Bible. Esther was a Jew who went on to become the queen of Persia, and she rose up and she, she challenged the challenger of her day, and she was able to intervene on behalf of a nation and save an entire group of people. And, and we love these stories, but can I just say that sometimes in our journey with the Lord, we have to get to the place where we realize that the one we need to issue a challenge to is ourselves. Sometimes we have to get to a place of maturity in our walk with God that says, I'm looking to challenge the challenger who is myself, <laughs> right? You see, we give the enemy of our lives way too much credit. We give the devil way too much credit. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit yourselves to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does submit mean? Submit means, like they said in worship, I take myself off the throne of my life. I'm recognizing that I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for my desires. I'm not living for what I want to do. But I'm living every day in response to what God says. So submit yourselves. When you submit yourself and you're walking in submission and you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He doesn't have a choice. But we give the devil so much credit. You know, in Luke 10, chapter 19, and this is Jesus speaking, and I know it because it's in red. So when red is in the Bible, Jesus is speaking, okay? So Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he said, I have given you the authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Not just some. Look at someone next to you say, not just some. All. All power of the enemy, every ounce of power the enemy has, we've been given authority to tread on. What does tread mean? If you look at tread in Hebrew, what that word actually means is to march. We've been given authority by God to march over all the power of the enemy. You know, sometimes I think we need to stop and remind ourselves of who we are for a minute. Sometimes, that's why I wore my boots today. I was like, I need to get up and remind myself of who I am today. I've been given authority to march over the enemy. Come on, 2020 was a year that showed the church you better know what you believe. And you better know what you're going to do about what you believe. There's a difference between marching and walking. How many of you know that? I watch my son Roman all the time. Roman marches wherever he goes. He, he is large and he is in charge and he is the middle one and he is the boss. Okay? He marches wherever he goes. There's a difference between marching and walking. And so when I march, when I hear the word marching, I see intention. I see vision. I see focus. I'm not just walking over the enemy. I'm marching with intention I'm marching with some vision. I'm marching with some focus over the power of the enemy. You know, I saw this meme on Facebook, and, you know, I laughed because I read it in my mind in a southern accent, so it was kind of funny. But then I, I, read, I read it again out loud, and I was like, it said this. It said, 2021, come in, sit down, be quiet, and don't say nothing. 2021, come in and be quiet. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, I don't live in reaction to time. I don't live in reaction to a year. I don't live my life in reaction to a season. I don't live my life in reaction to a moment. I live in response to every word that God has said. So what did God say? He said in Luke 10, 19, I put my name there and that's what you need to do. He said, Vanessa, I have given you the authority. I have given you the power. You have every right to march over the power of the enemy. Some of you need to get up on 
and authority over the enemy. Why in the world do we blame the devil for the condition of our lives? The devil made me do it. We give the devil all this power, the devil that we've been given all power over. Come on, could it be that we have been for so long, we've gotten so used to blaming the enemy for the condition of our lives when in fact the one we need to be issuing a challenge to is ourself. We've all done it, right? The devil's in my marriage. The devil's on my spouse. Come on, we've all done it. Don't get quiet on me. The devil working in my wife today. Come on, <laughs> come on, don't lie. You know we've, we've all thought that before. But that's why Ephesians 6 says that you put on the full armor of God so that you're able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Well, what's the schemes of the enemy? The, does the devil hate your marriage? Yes. The devil hates marriage. The devil, the devil despises traditional marriage between man and woman with Jesus at the center. Why? Because he understands the power of what it represents. The devil hates your marriage. We know the schemes, but how do we stand against the schemes? You allow God to work in you. You allow God to do a work in you. Marriage is not, I hate when I hear marriage is 50-50. It's a lie. Marriage is 100, 100, 100. It's 100% my responsibility, 100% his responsibility, 100% of the time. It doesn't matter if I feel like it. It doesn't, feel like, it doesn't matter if I wake up and I'm like, the devil's on my spouse and I'm not doing nothing about it today. No, I wake up one morning and I say, this is my marriage. This is the vows I've made before God. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to do the work that Jesus has done in me. I'm going to walk out the revelation that I know. And I'm not going to continue to live, living like the devil is on my marriage. You know, when, when two people... Um, or two armies go to war, and they're, they're usually on opposite sides, and they're, they're firing at each other. Well, when you do that, eventually someone's going to get shot, right? Right? That's the intention. So it's the same thing in marriage. It's learning how to crucify your flesh to the point where you come to the same side, and you learn how to shoot together at what the issue really is. It's not my spouse. It's the issue. It's not people. Our weapons aren't carnal. Amen? So it's a daily death. Of course he hates your marriage, but it ain't all the devil's fault. We do it in our finances. The devil's after my money. Devil, I'm binding the devil this morning. Get off, my, get off my wallet this morning, devil. We know the schemes of the enemy. His schemes and his plans have not changed. But at some point, I have to get to the place where I've been journeying with the Lord long enough where I stop and I ask the question, am I a tither? Am I a tither? Malachi 3 verse 8, bring your entire tithe to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? It's here. And when you do, I will open up the windows of blessing over your life, and I will pour them out so much that you cannot contain it. Test me in this. All throughout the Bible, do not test the Lord your God. Do not tempt the Lord your God. In your finances, test me. But we say, the devil's on my finances. No, am I a tither? Is there a curse? Is there an active curse over my home? Come on. And then, then we have to ask ourselves, am I managing my finances well? Am I a good steward over what I've been given? It ain't all the devil's fault this morning. Come on, sometime, at some point we have to get to that place because we have for far too long we've been blaming the devil for the condition of our lives. 1 John 2, 1 says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. He's our advocate. Do you know what that, that means, advocate? It, it, in the Hebrew, if you break it down, it means literally that it, it's the group of friends of the one being accused, and they go before the judge personally to urge the judge in your favor. So while we're running around blaming the devil, we have a personal interceding Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is literally, the Bible says that he intercedes for us, he prays for us, and he defends us. But we're worrying about the devil. It's in Revelation 12, 10, it says, on that day, the accuser of the brethren, which is the devil, who accuses the people of God day after day, night after night before God, he accuses them. And on that day, he'll be cast out. 
so the devil's always bringing up accusations against us in front of God. He's bringing up our failures. You don't have to do it. He's got it covered. But the Bible says that Jesus is literally, it's like the picture of a courtroom. He's literally our defense lawyer. He's our defense lawyer. And so at some point, I I have to ask myself, why am I giving the devil access over my life? Because the only power he has is the power you give him. Come on, I'm going to say that again. The only power he has is the power that you give him. Stop giving the devil access in your home. Have you safeguarded your home? Stop giving the devil access in your marriage. Have you safeguarded your marriage? Stop giving him access in your mind. We become a culture of of Christians in America of undisciplined thinkers. We don't even know what we think about. And the devil's attacking your mind. And you're not doing anything about it. Come on, church. What have you given access to him today? Because sometimes the one we need to issue a challenge to is ourself. And I'm there with you today. Believe me, our main text, um, I want to go to John chapter 5. If y'all could just throw that up for me. It's a well-known story. Do you want to turn there? And I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to give you the backdrop of the story. So it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. You had the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So one who had been an invalid, he'd been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he'd been in this condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. For while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. See, this story takes place during the the Feast of the Tabernacle. And so at this time, you you had um, the Pool of Bethesda and it, and Jesus was in Jerusalem for this festival and there was a Pool of Bethesda and it said it was by the Sheep Gate and the Sheep Gate was was um, I'm sure my my dad and my husband have seen it they've been there but the Sheep Gate was used the Pool of Bethesda was split in two and so the Sheep Gate was used to bring the sheep in and they would wash the sheep there and then the other side was for the people lying around the pool now they were laying there because there was a legend that at certain times during the during these great feasts that an angel would descend upon this pool and it would begin to move its wings and then all of a sudden the water would begin to stir and once the water stirred, whoever, whichever sick one was able to get in the water first, they would be healed. Okay, so just, just picture this with me. We have this, this scene going on. The Bible said that it was a multitude of invalid. So it wasn't just a few people lying around on their mats. It, it was a, a lot of people that had been in their condition for a long time. And so they were they were lying around this pool and and Jesus walks up to this man and he says, "Do you want to be healed?" Now, just picture this with me. Cuz sometimes we can't understand we 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 read these scriptures and we we don't really understand what's happening. If you can just put yourself in his shoes for a minute. He's been lying on a mat for 38 years. He's been surrounded by the same people in the same issues, looking at him day after day, and then and also living with the disappointment of when the waters would stir, and he never got in, and he said, guess it wasn't my day for healing. Got to keep on laying here. And so this is who Jesus walks up to, and he says, do you want to be healed? You see, I don't think Jesus was being cruel when he asked him that question. I just think Jesus knew something about human nature. Because, you see, the, the, the way these people would be supported, as the, the invalid, whenever they would lay on these mats, they weren't working. So they would end up begging for their condition to be supported. And isn't that the thing about issues in our life? <laughs> isn't that the thing about issues? We become so familiar with the issues 
of our lives, we, come, we become so familiar with laying on our mat of sickness year after year, surrounded by the same people lying on their mat of sickness year after year. And then we get to the place that our, our issues become normalized. And whatever you normalize, you can't change. And human nature would rather be supported in their condition than challenged to change. It is human nature to want to resist change. It's human nature to want to be affirmed in our sickness rather than challenged into wholeness. And so that's what, that's what was happening right here because that the, the people who were around the, the pool of Bethesda, the Bible says they were grouped according to their issues. There was the lame, there was the blind, there was the paralyzed. Because that's also human nature. We look for the same ones who are in the condition we are in, and we, we, we pick up our mat and we pull it next to theirs, and we lay down and struggle next to the person beside us because with healing comes responsibility, because with breakthrough comes responsibility. And at some point, I can't keep blaming the devil for the condition of my life when I have laid on my mat of infirmity year after year when the healer himself... See, the, 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 the water stirring, it was so infrequent. It didn't happen all the time. It was very rare. But we have Jesus, the healer himself. We come into church every single week, and we end up pulling our mat behind us. And we come into church, and we lay it down. We lay right back in our condition when the healer is standing right next to you. And he's saying, do you want to be healed today? Because you don't have to be. You can continue to lay there and take your mat right back on out the building. And what's going to happen is I'll continue to chase you. I'll continue to be good. I'll continue to be merciful. This pool of Bethesda, it was known as the house of, of mercy. I'm going to continue loving you, but you're staying on your mat. Because with healing comes responsibility. See, we all know people like this. Don't look around. We all know people like this. Uh, looking to outmatch the next one with the issues of life. I'm telling you, 2020, full of issues. Nothing good happened in 2020, let me tell you. 2021, I'm not, cards are still out, I don't know. Got to roll the dice today. And we continue to live negative, that people full of criticism, full of judgment, never happy with the, with the condition of their life, but still unwilling to get off the mat and change it. And so we, we become uh, people who are full of offense, Come on, somebody. This is the most offended culture I've ever seen in my life. I know I haven't lived that long, but this is an offended culture. We live with, it's my right to be right. It's my right to be offended. Jesus, I know that you made a way for me to be completely whole. I know that you died on the cross so that I didn't have to live on my mat of struggle. I know that you died on the cross and you made a way for me to walk in freedom. But God, it's my right to be offended. It's my right to live in my infirmity. It's my right to live in struggle. It's my right to have my marriage falling apart. It's my right, God. And so we live on our mat of issues year after year, instead of realizing that today is the day to walk. You know, the, the, the people laying by the, by the pool of Bethesda, they were paralyzed, but they were also, they were literally paralyzed, but they were also figuratively paralyzed. Can you imagine all, all you do is you're, you're paralyzed and you're waiting, waiting for the one day someday when the angel would come and stir the water. Maybe one day, someday, I'll get my healing. Maybe one day, someday, no one else will get in the pool before me, and I can actually be healed. And we become paralyzed in our waiting, just like they did. We become paralyzed in our waiting for the one day, someday. 
One day, someday, life is going to get better. One day, someday, my family is going to get it together. One day, someday, I'm going to walk in freedom from my issues. One day, someday, I'm not going to live like this any longer. And we become paralyzed waiting for one day, someday. And how many of you know that that creates a culture? We've created a culture in the American church today that says you can come to church every week with your one day, someday theology and just continue to be paralyzed in your waiting. It's okay. You don't have to get up. Instead of creating a culture that commands people when they walk in, today is the day. Stop waiting for one day, someday. Stop waiting for tomorrow. Stop waiting for next year. Today is your day. Get off the mat. You need to look at someone next to you and say, get off the mat. Because we become so full of our issues. Because the truth is, the longer you stay on your mat in your issues, the more likely your issue becomes your identity. The Bible is full of people that we never know their name. We just know their issue. The woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. We know her issue. The Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, just the chapter before this, we didn't know her name. We just knew her issue. The leper in Mark chapter 1, the Bible doesn't give us his name. We just know him by his issue. The demoniac man, we don't know his name, but we know his issue. See, the truth is, the longer you stay on your mat with your issues, the longer people are not going to know your name. They're going to begin to call you by your issue. They're going to call you by the undealt issues of your life. I don't know about you, but I have children in my house. I have three sons, and I need them to know how to deal with the issues of life. I need them to know how to get off their mat of struggle and walk in the freedom that God has afforded them. But how will they know if their parents stay on the mat? How will they know? How will they know what healthy marriage looks like if their parents stay on the mat? How will they know how to walk in freedom of identity if they stay on the mat? Our culture is teaching our kids right now. Whether you realize it or not, they're teaching them. And if you don't decide that in me and my house, we're going to get off our mat in 2021. Then next year, you'll enter into 2022 and the following year and the following year. And you'll still be stuck in the same condition. And then the danger of that is what you've called normal. What your kids have seen become familiar, they'll begin to call normal. And then they'll walk in the same cycle that you refuse to defeat. They'll fight the same Goliath that you didn't go get the stones out of the river and kill yourself. See, we, we all know people like that, right? The angry man, that guy's always angry. There's always a problem. The, the bitter woman, she doesn't know how to move on with life. She's, she's held in, in her resentment. The, the insecure, they never know who they are and they're mad at who knows who they are. The, the immature. Come on, I heard Pastor Amanda say, say this one time. She said it on a call, kind of to me, but, you know. And she said, she said you know, sometimes you just got to grow over what you can't get over. At some point, you've got to determine to grow over even if you can't get over it. The negative, they can problem, find a problem with every solution. Come on, the offended. The list goes on and on because it's the issues of our life that keep us on the mat. And, you know, this has created a, a culture in our church, and we become very cultural Christians. So we, we come into church on Sunday morning, and we know how to speak the language of the house, right? I, I know exactly when to say amen 
so my neighbor thinks I'm doing great. I know exactly when to lift my hands in worship right at the bridge after the, the high part. I lift up my hands and I shout, and that's my moment because I know that everyone's going to know that I'm okay. <laughs> Come on. We become cultural Christians where we know how to speak the language, but we, we're not actually living out what we're professing. And see, what that's called is actually a scientific name. It's called cognitive dissonance. It's the act of having contradictory beliefs. Contradictory beliefs. Because we were never created by God to be double-minded. And so literally, what you do whenever you you do that, whenever you're you're holding two contradictory beliefs, let me give you an example. Um, I am more than a conqueror. And we come into church on Sunday morning, week after week, I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we pick up our mat and leave out the building. That's cognitive dissonance. That's believing God enough, but not sure if he's actually going to do it for me. Because every time you think, feel, or choose, you're building thoughts in your mind. Now, I love studying the mind. It's so interesting. And before I started studying the mind, I really didn't think much about my thoughts. I thought they were kind of just floating around in my head, you know, like abstract, like they're just, I don't know, little thought bubbles. I'm not sure. But um, really, in reality, if you Google it, your thoughts actually are, it's a real structure in your mind. It, It looks like a tree if you Google it. So every single time you think, feel, and choose, you are building a literal structure in your mind. They are, they're real things. That's why 2 Corinthians 10.4 says that the weapons of, uh, that we war with are not carnal, but on the contrary, they're divine for the pulling down of strongholds. In that verse, the strongholds they're talking about is actually the thoughts in your mind. You have to be aggressive with the thoughts in your mind, but we've become so undisciplined in our thinking as Christians in America. We just let every thought keep on coming. And when you do that, you're literally allowing structures to grow in your mind. And the problem with that is your thoughts become your lifestyle. Your thinking becomes a predominant pattern of thinking. Your predominant pattern of thinking becomes the way you live your life out. Because as so a man thinketh, so is he. And so we're undisciplined thinkers, and we, we let these thoughts continually just come in and out of our mind. And, and that's why the Bible says you take every thought captive, and that is not an easy thing to do. That requires discipline. So that literally looks like this. I'm stepping back, and the thoughts are here, and I'm taking inventory. This thought can't stay. This thought can't stay. It's against the nature of God. This thought can't stay. It's building a direction in my life. This thought can't stay. I've got to be aggressive with that thought because that thought is a lie. Do you know your brain can't actually tell the difference between a truth and a lie? It can't tell the difference. I can sit here and tell myself a lie, and my my brain won't know the difference. Me and Carlos, we watched a, a documentary in the start of 2020 on the mind, and it was, it was so incredible. And um, they did a study on these children, and so they had these children come in, and they told each one of these children, they said, when you were a child, you were mugged. And they told them that over and over. So eventually, when those same children became, a, became adults, they, they came back and they were interviewed, and they said, what happened to you as a child? And all of the now adults said, well, we were mugged. But the interesting thing is that they they then began to provide detail to their mugging. So they said, um, my mugger was wearing these kind of clothes, or this is how the gun looked, or this was the type of night it was, or day. And they began to provide details that were never given to them. And you do that because your brain can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie. Because the same three areas, it's the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, and the amygdala. So those same three areas that regulate your memory, they also regulate your imagination. So every time you remember, the same three areas in your brain are lighting up as if you're dreaming. So what your mind actually does is it takes that lie and it begins to build memories around that lie to further enforce it. That's what happened with those kids. They were mugged. That's all they were told. 
But now they have a whole story of what happened to them because your mind will enforce the lie you tell it. Your mind will enforce the lie you tell it. Don't think for a moment that your thoughts don't matter. Don't think for a moment that your thoughts don't matter because whenever you continue to live on your mat, come on somebody, when you continue to live in your issue, what you end up doing is you convince your mind, you convince yourself that it's not actually your responsibility to get up. It's not actually your fault for why you're on the mat. And we end up blaming the devil. We end up blaming our family. We end up blaming our spouse. We end up blaming our location. We end up blaming everything else. And we never take responsibility because we don't even think it's our fault. Because that is the power of your mind. We live in the if, if they they would just apologize. I could get up. If my husband would get it together, I'd get up. If my children would act right, I'd get up. If my business was doing better, I'd get up. If I had a different pastor, I'd get up. <laughs> come, come on, somebody. And, and we live with this if, then, if and then. Your if depends on my win. <laughs> and we keep ourselves on the mat in our issues. Come on, if I, if I stood up here, we love a 24-hour breakthrough message. If I stood up here and started declaring, you're going to get your breakthrough in 24 hours, we'd be running laps in here. Shoes would start throwing. I'd be ducking. Come on, somebody. We'd start running laps over the 24-hour breakthrough. We love to hear it. Oh, God said I'm getting my breakthrough in 24 hours. I'm going to sit here on the clock, and in 24 hours, bam. But the problem with that is in 24 hours, you'll still be on your mat if you're not careful because it still requires that you get up. It still requires responsibility on your part. Stop putting the responsibility of your breakthrough on God and remember what he said. I have given you authority. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming the devil for the condition of your life and get off. The mat. Oh, I got to hurry. That's real quick. Ooh. Okay. I got to get somewhere. All right. So we go back to, to John chapter 5, and, and I want to read that, that last part to you before we get close to our ending. But <laughs> do I, does the five-minute rule apply to me? <laughs> do I have the five-minute grace? Is that just Pastor Chuck? So... <laughs> Okay, I guess that's a yes. Everyone looks happy this morning with me still. But <laughs> so, so Jesus comes up on this man and he says, do you want to be healed? And I just, I love Jesus. You know, we, he's so, we think he's so meek and mild. He's so meek and mild. I'm not going to try and sing it. But Jesus also was the one who comes up and says, get up and walk. <laughs> so he comes up to this man and he says, do you want to walk? And the man says, you know, Jesus, Every time those waters stir, someone gets in before me. I can't get up. I make, it, I make excuses for why I can't get up. How am I going to get in the water? There's only one person at a time, and that person just got healed. Now i got to sit here on my mat again for another 38 years till the water stirs. And we make our excuses for why we can't be healed. We make our excuses for why we're in struggle we make excuses for why. Have you, ever, have you ever said that about someone? Well, that's just, what, that's just the way they are. That, that's just the way they are. No. At what point do we stand up and say, my breakthrough, my healing, my responsibility? My breakthrough, my healing. God's going to be faithful to do his part. My breakthrough, my healing, my responsibility. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm going to skip on because we're about to have to close. But um, in ben, I want to talk about Benaniah real quick. Benaniah in 2 Samuel it talks about the exploits of Benaniah. And I told you that he, he went down on a snowy, um, snowy day into a pit and he killed a lion. Now, that may, that may not seem impressive to you. 
But I have stood next to a lion, and there was definitely a gate between us, and I was very thankful for the gate, you know, because I, I don't want to go into a pit on a snowy day and kill a lion. And uh, Benaniah, the, the thing about Benaniah is, you know, they didn't have guns back that back in that day, right? Like, I assume they didn't have they didn't have pistols or shotguns. So he had to make contact with this lion at some point, right? So Benaniah, this mighty warrior who had done these great exploits, he'd, he'd killed an Egyptian. He took the spear out of his hand, and he, and he killed him with his own spear. He took down the, the Moab's two mightiest warriors. Like, he was bad to the bone, right? So he decides... I'm going to go into a pit on a snowy day, and I'm going to kill a lion. And I just thought about that for a minute, and I said, you know, God, what if, what if the church, come on, what if the church would decide to lock eyes with their issue and determine that today is your day, and I don't care if the conditions aren't favorable. I don't care if it may not be the best time. I don't care if I don't have a weapon to fight with because I know that I'm about to engage in a battle that's already fixed. Porter, you can go ahead and come up. Because the truth is, if you want to be healed, you can. If you want to get up and walk, you can. If you want your marriage in 2021 to be better, it can. If you want to see supernatural miracles take place, it can. If you want to see your business go further than it ever has, it can. It's not based on the circumstances. It's based on you getting off your mat. So I just want to read this last one in Mark chapter 1. It talks about the, the leper. We didn't know his name. We just knew his issue. And the Bible says that the leper came and he, he threw himself before God. Let me tell you about leprosy for a minute. Leprosy begins as small red dots on the skin. And before too long, the spots get bigger and they start to turn white with a shiny or scaly appearance. The spots spread all over the body and hair begins to fall out first from the head, then the eyebrows. And as things get worse, the fingernails and toenails become loose and they start to rot and eventually they fall off. And then the joints of the fingers and toes begin to rot and fall off piece by piece. Your gums begin to shrink and they can't hold teeth anymore. And so each tooth is lost and leprosy keeps eating away at the face until the nose and the eyes rot and the leper wastes away until he or she dies. Lepers had to, in the Bible during that time, they had to dress like they were dead because they were known as the living dead. And whenever someone would come up next to them, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean. And you see, leprosy is an example of what sin does to our lives. Leprosy is an example of the decay that will eventually take place the longer you remain on your mat. Leprosy gives us a picture of the complete and total death, the slow death that happens when you're standing next to the healer and you choose your mat instead. Come on, we do it week after week. My, my, my issue is, has become my identity and I'm not sure. I'm not, I've lived in it so long. I've been angry so long. I've been depressed so long. I've been sad so long. My marriage has been like this for so long. My kids, life is just like this. But we come to church week after week and the healer is echoing the same question that he was echoing the day by the pool of Bethesda. The questions never changed. Do you want to be healed? And then we, we stay on our mat. We stay in struggle that was never meant to fit us. You may be in this in this building today and you're like, well, I don't have any major issues. I'm not, I'm not dealing. My life's good. Are you living at the level God has called you to live? Are you really walking in freedom? Are you really healed this morning? Because if you decide in 2021 that I'm going to wait for the someday one day, things to get better. 
I'm going to wait for the someday one day to really devote my life to God and see him do wonders in my life. If you choose to wait there, you can. That's the thing. You can. You can stay in your struggle this morning. And the healer is going to be right next to you still asking the same question. But the, the danger of this is, you know, we, we ask God, we're like, God, I want, I want greater influence. Maybe you're in this place and you say, I, I'm just asking God to give me greater influence. Greater influence in my home. Greater influence in the lives of my children. I want, I want to have greater influence in, in the mountain, the education mountain. I want to be a, a kingdom supporter through my business. I, I, want, I want my kids to, to grow up and, and know the, the truth of God's word. I, I want my marriage to be whole. I, I don't want to deal with the, the, the internal struggle. I want to have peace. And, and we ask God for these things, but in order to go out wide, first you have to go deep. Because if you're not willing to go deep and you try to go out wide, the fruit that you try to produce, the branches won't be able to bear it. And what good is fruit that falls to the ground and rots? So you may be in here this morning and you came and, and you brought your mat with you and you said, today's my day. I'm not dealing with that struggle. Put the name on it this morning. I'm not dealing with that struggle. Maybe it's a struggle that only you know about. Maybe it's a struggle in your mind. Maybe it's a struggle in, in your home. Maybe it's a struggle that you've never wanted to talk about. But the healer is here today and he's saying if you will bring your mat, I will in return. It's an exchange. You never come to God and he leaves you the same. It's an exchange this morning. So if you bring your mat, he will give you freedom. If you bring your mat, he will give you peace. If you bring your mat, you can get your joy back. If you bring your mat, you can walk in the freedom of God once more. It's not too late this morning. 2021, some of you need to get a march in you this morning and begin to say 2021. you, you know, one thing that also needs to die on the mat is pride. And so sometimes the very thing that keeps us from healing Sunday after Sunday, it's not God, it's not that God's not moving. It's not that the enemy is so hard on your back. Sometimes it's our choices. It's our choice to remain unwell. So if that's you this morning and you say, 2020 was a hard year, and I know it was for so many people. But you say, I, I want 2021 to be the year where I made a declaration to the enemy that I'm not living on this mat of limitation any longer. I refuse to get down on the mat and wait for the someday one day when I've been commanded that today is the day to get up and walk. So in the next few minutes, we're going to go. I'm going to make a prayer. But if that's you and you know you're in struggle and you want someone to pray and agree with you, we're going to have our staff up here ready to pray. And I ask just right now as we begin to pray, you make your way down the aisle. Maybe you say, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable going to the altar. Well, sometimes it takes an act of extravagance. Sometimes it takes an act of, of, of obedience. So if that's you, I just ask that you raise your hands. And we're going to make a prayer in this place. If you want to come down to the altar, you can. And we're going to pray over you. Don't enter into 2021 the same as you ended 2020. Don't enter 2021 with the same struggles that you entered into with 2020. Because the healer is here this morning and he wants you to be healed. The, 
the leper, when he came to Jesus, the Bible says that he, he threw himself in front of him. And it says that Jesus was deeply moved with compassion for him. And the leper asked, he said, I know that you can make me well if you want to. And Jesus replied and he said, of course I want you well. Now go and be cleansed. Go and be cleansed. That leper, that leper, if you, I think it's in, in um, Luke, but it talks about he was in the advanced stages of leprosy. And, and Jesus, he, he reached out and he touched the leper, which was against Jewish ceremonial law. You weren't allowed to touch lepers because they were unclean. And Jesus, knowing, Jesus can heal however he wants to. Go dip in the mud, right? He, he can heal however he wants to, but he chose to touch the leper. It was almost as if he was saying, I'm not afraid of your issues. I'm not afraid of the condition of your life. I know society says that you can't be touched. I know society and culture say you need to remain by the pool with a group of people who are just like you. I know society says that you should wait for the one day, someday like everyone else. Wait for the moment when you feel like healing is, is here. But I'm just telling you this morning, God is not afraid of the condition of our lives. He's not afraid of your issues this morning. And he loves you so much that he says, I can't stand to see you on the mat any longer. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for your life. Stop struggling over and over and living in it like it fits you. It doesn't fit you and it was never meant for you. So the healer is here. We're gonna we're about to start praying. I ask that you just raise your hand and this takes responsibility on your part. I want us to begin to raise our voices if you're here up at the front or if you're in your seat and this prayer is for you. Raise your hands and begin to cry out to him because it takes desperation. Yeah. That leper came to Jesus desperate and it moved the heart of God. It moved him deeply. So begin to raise your voice and begin to declare that your issue is over today. Name your issue and let the enemy know that it's not hidden any longer and it's not staying any longer because the healer has walked in the room this morning and I believe that a, a tenacity is rising up in the church that says this is not the way life has to be. I have power. I have authority and I'm going to do everything that God said I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in the fullness. I'm going to do just what God said that I will do. Struggle no longer. Get up and walk today. So God, I thank you. I thank you for every person standing at this altar with their arms raised high. I thank you, God, and it's, as they begin to identify what's kept them on their mat for so long, I thank you that they are, are, are calling out to you in desperation that says, I have dealt with this issue. It has become my identity. I've laid here so long. I didn't know that today was my day. I didn't know that this moment was my moment. Today is my day because you made a way on the cross. You said that it was finished. You made a way for my wholeness. And so today I choose. I choose. Come on, some of you need to shout that out. I choose. I choose to get up and walk. I choose to struggle no more. I choose to live in the fullness of what you called me to live. And I won't struggle anymore with this issue. I won't remain down anymore. I'm for the count. I'm getting up in power. I'm getting up in authority. And I will do what you said that I can do. Come on, just take the next few minutes where you are. My healing, my responsibility. My breakthrough, my responsibility. What responsibility is on you today? Is it a shout? Is it to lay on your feet in front of God? Is it to come to the altar? What is your responsibility this morning?
Jesus. Well, just slip your hand up for a moment. I believe the healing power of God is flowing in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you today. Thank you today for liberty. Thank you today for healing. Thank you today for freedom. Lord, we receive it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. In that passage of scripture that Vanessa was quoting out of John chapter 5, it said, All those who were sick, all those who were lame, all those who were paralyzed, and all those who were withered was laying at those porches. The interesting to me was that word sickness, all those who were sick, that word sickness, in the Greek is the word esthenina, which literally means feebleness of mind. There's a lot of people that are trapped in their conditions because of their mind. That's what she was preaching on. Our, our mind holds us captive when freedom is in the house. Healing is in the house. Liberty is in the house. Hallelujah. I think we can go into 2021 with the freedom of Christ ruling and reigning on the inside of us. Amen. Amen. That, she talked about just marching out, just moving. I'm telling you that, that there's something that's going to happen in your life in 2021 that's going to be so attractive to those who never thought you would be this at this level of freedom. You're not going to be held captive by the power of your thoughts. Hallelujah. There's liberty. Man, I feel the anointing. There's a liberty. There's a liberty that's flowing in this house today. Hallelujah. I just, I just re-prophesied. Somebody's going to grab their mat and walk up out of here never to use it again. Hallelujah. 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 What an amazing word. 
What an amazing word for 2021 to start it off. Those who had feebleness of mind were laying there. Those who were lame. Those who didn't have no forward progress. They were stuck. Those who were withered. Those, those, those who, who were recluse, drawn back, never pushed forward. Just all of a sudden, there's an anointing. There's an anointing flowing. Just like it is right now, there's an anointing. That's why we lift our hands, because we believe we receive it today. It's flowing in my direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sickness, disease, power of the enemy has no authority over us. We're the people of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that will quicken my mortal body. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The same anointing that Jesus had is the same anointing that I have. Hallelujah. What he walked in, I walk in. What he overcome, I overcome. What he delivered, I deliver. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we just give God a praise for what he's going to do in 2021? Never the same, never the same, never the same. Amen. I will say this because we all fight it. I'll say this because we all fight, including me. Sometimes our pride is the number one killer from deliverance because we don't want nobody to know our conditions. The only people that know our conditions are the people that are just like us. The only ones that know our conditions are the people that have the same issues. And pride can just keep you from receiving all that God has. You ought to make it your prayer in 2021. I'm going to kill my pride. Hallelujah. Pride comes before destruction. I'm not going to live in pride. If I got something going on in my life, I'm going to let people know that I need a healing. I'm going to find somebody that can pray with me, somebody that I can hook up to. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm telling you, that comes from me on down. I, I, I get it. I, sometimes I stand there and I have to be at the altar. Amen. I'm not going to let pride kill anything that God has for me. So we need to make that our prayer going into 2021. I heard her, she said at the beginning, I don't know if it's part of the sermon, she said, we're going to march out. We're going to march out. We're not just going to walk out. We're going to march out because we've got intentionality. we got focus. we got direction. Amen. Amen. Come on, just look at somebody next to you. We're going to march out of this place today. We're marching out, and we're marching into 2021. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise for Pastor Vanessa? What an amazing word. Amen. 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 Father, I bless your people today. Lord, we thank you for the work that's been done. Lord, we thank you for the work that was done 2,000 years ago at Calvary that we get to receive today in 2021. Lord, we thank you today that we are free in Jesus. We thank you today, Lord, that as we walk out of this building, we're just not walking out of a building, but we're walking into our future. We're walking into our promise. We're walking into the things that you have promised us, and we will attain them. We will receive them. And, Lord, we give you praise, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen.